time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hey, it's another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder of CP Weldy Group, certified financial planner and CPA as well, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas based in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania. Find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, I mentioned the CPA part of your credentials, and as we record today's episode, tax season has finally come to an end for you. I know you are celebrating, my friend. Oh, absolutely. This was out in the golf course last Wednesday and looking forward to going out again this Wednesday. So uh, tax season's ended. Look out, you know, uh, other golfers. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Charles is free and uh, and, and he's not going to waste any time on the course. You're, you're not slicing anything, right, Charles? You are uh, you're uh, ready Yeah, to if I could figure that slice out, I'd be great, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, glad that you're doing well, my friend, and uh, getting out there, getting some exercise and some fresh air and enjoying yourself after uh, another grueling tax season. And I uh, know that you're able to help a lot of clients out and uh, get things all straightened out for many, many people. Uh, take your time now to uh, enjoy yourself a little bit as you get back to probably just a little bit more of a normal work life and schedule, right? Not so helter-skelter. Yeah, absolutely. Instead of coming in, like, I mean, instead of not knowing what day it is, now I know exactly what day it is. <laughs> absolutely. I love it. Well, let's dive into today's conversation. Have you ever wondered if the Social Security system will run out of money before you retired? Or if claiming benefits as soon as you're eligible is the best decision for your financial future. Well, in this episode, we're going to be debunking some common myths about Social Security and answering questions that you've probably been curious about. In fact, we've got 10 myths that we are going to dismantle on today's show, and we'll call this the 2023 edition of the top Social Security myths. You know, things are always changing in the financial landscape. So even if it's an old topic like Social Security, Charles, when we circle back to these foundational conversations, I think we can always insert a few new nuggets and pieces of information that'll help people. Plus, perhaps a couple of years ago when people were talking about Social Security, you weren't close enough to it to pay much attention, and now maybe it's more present in your life. So a new opportunity for folks to learn a little bit about Social Security, some of the myths that kind of pervade the conversation. And Charles, I know you'll do your best to help us dismantle these on the show today. So let's jump into the list and uh, get some comments from you on each of these. Uh, The first one is that the Social Security Administration, if you go to them, they'll help you make the best decision about when you should start your benefit. Why is that the uh, one of our top Social Security myths here? Yeah, well, Walter, I don't believe the Social Security Administration is in business to give information. Well, they can give information out, but they can't give recommendations out. So basically, you can get, you know, whatever information you need. Hey, what's my benefit at age 62, 67, 70? But, you know, for them to tell you specifically when to take it, that's not their area of expertise. So I would just use Social Security as a starting point, the administration as a starting point to maybe just get those figures. Hey, what am I going to get if I retire early at 62? If your normal retirement age is 67, what will your benefit be then? That's called your normal retirement age. And if you choose to delay it to age 70, then basically you'll get a third number. So as long as you have those three numbers, a good planner, he or she, will be able to maybe help you make uh, an informed decision on when exactly to start that. That's a great point. Yeah, big difference between information and advice. Keep that in mind when tackling that myth. Or how about this myth number two, Charles? You won't get any Social Security if you were a stay-at-home mom. That's a big concern. Well, um, I mean, m- many people might believe that, but the actual reality is that um, once, I guess, the main breadwinner starts collecting his or her Social Security benefit, 
it opens up an opportunity for the spouse, whether she, you know, worked full time or part time. As long as she has, I think they call it 40 quarters, maybe it's like 40 credits. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I think if you work like two or three years, you're entitled to a Social Security benefit. So most people, even if they never worked full time, they work part time, as long as they have a minimum amount of work coverage, they're going to get a benefit. Now, uh, I'll give you a personal example, my wife and myself. My wife stayed at home, raised our three kids, really didn't go out into the workforce. I mean, she had her minimum number of quarters that she worked. And then when I turned, I guess, 66, I chose to delay my Social Security benefits, so she still got a smaller benefit, what she would have gotten at her retirement age of 66. So it's a very small benefit. Let's call it, for example purposes, $500 a month. Now, when I choose to get my benefit, say at age 70, and let's just say my benefit is $4,000 a month, my wife now will be entitled to get half of what I would have gotten at my normal retirement age. So she could bump up from, say, $500 a month to $1,500 a month as soon as I go on and, and start collecting my Social Security benefit. So the point I want to make is that many people aren't even aware of that. I was out in the golf course last Wednesday with a gentleman who said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm turning 67, I'm going to take my Social Security benefit. Does my wife get a bump up? And I said, well, is she on Social Security now? Yeah. When did she start taking it? She started taking it at age 62. I said, yeah, she'll get a bump up, but she might not get the full bump up since she started her Social Security benefit earlier rather than her normal retirement age. So I know it sounds like a lot, but it, you know, if you know the basic concepts, and the basic concept is like, hey, for the most part, if you work a minimum number of quarters, and they may have changed the rules a little bit to make it easier for people to qualify, just about anyone is going to get a Social Security benefit at a certain age. Great to know that, Charles. All right, two good myths busted so far. How about number three? You won't pay taxes on your Social Security since you already paid taxes on that money when you paid into the system. No, well, I mean, I know it sounds like a double tax, but it really isn't. As you make more money earned income, all earned income is subject to Social Security tax. So basically, whether you're 67, 70, 80 years old, if you have a W-2 or you're self-employed, you're going to have to pay Social Security tax on earned income. That's a fact. And that probably will never change. I mean, that's where they basically get the current monies to fund, you know, the current distributions to Social Security beneficiaries. Yeah, it's an interesting one to uh, to ponder a little bit there, and that catches some people off guard by the time they get to Social Security age, and uh, they don't realize that that benefit still has that taxation element to it. How about myth number four here, Charles? There won't be any Social Security left by the time you retire. They have been saying this for a while now. Yeah, I think, it, uh, personally, I think it's a scare tactic because realistically, what they could do, it's a simple fix. It might not be politically correct, but, you know, basically they could just raise the, normal ret- the early retirement age from 62 to 65, maybe the normal retirement age from 67 to 70, and the delayed retirement age maybe from 70 to 73. If they did that, all of a sudden the math and science would, like, extend the Social Security program for many, many, many more years. But it's politically incorrect to maybe, you know, voice that potential solution because obviously there's a lot of people that vote and uh, the people that vote that want to get that social security maybe at an earlier age or they plan on getting it at you know 67 they don't want to delay it but there's ways of fixing that and also i think they're currently what they're currently doing on an annual basis walter is there's a social security wage base right now it might be somewhere around 153,000 what does that mean it means if you make 200 grand a year 
you're only paying Social Security tax up to 153000 Well, each and every year they raise that Social Security base. So they could, you know, raise it more and more and more in the future or maybe get rid of it. And that would, you know, have an influx of dollars coming in to maybe help fund the Social Security deficit that currently exists. All right. We are almost halfway through. So let's hit myth number five here, Charles. You should claim Social Security as soon as you're eligible. Um, I mean, there's some people that say, hey, take it before it runs out. Um, you know, I, I think you really have to look at your, your um, I guess, your health, you know, the health of family members, parents, you know, is there longevity in your family? I mean, the reality of it is people don't realize that if you take it at an early age, say 62, the earliest age, um, you know, you're limited to what you can make you know, up until full retirement age, which I'll just use as 67 in this example. So that means for five years, if you made over, say, $20,000 a year, you'd have to, like, start giving some of your Social Security benefit back. So that might not be wise to take it sooner rather than later. Also, you know, I think the break even for a single individual is somewhere around maybe 82 years old. So if you live beyond age 82 and you took your Social Security at age 62, then, you know, you might look back and say, you know what, I wish I delayed my benefit. You know, I could have gotten like higher money cumulatively for the rest of my life. But again, you know, that's a decision that they've made, you know, several years ago. So the, the point that, you know, you should claim it as soon as you're eligible is not really a good uh, rule of thumb, you really should look at the facts and circumstances. And realistically, also, if you're married, uh, it might be better to delay that benefit. So in the event that you passed away uh, sooner rather than later, then that benefit that you would have gotten now goes to your surviving spouse. So there's a lot of variables involved. And I would say as a general rule, uh, it might not be wise to take it sooner rather than later unless there's a, a big health issue or, you know, there's an example that I heard uh, really like kind of knocked me off my chair when I heard it. But uh, there was a gentleman age 62, very wealthy. Um, you know, he didn't really need Social Security, but he decided to take it at age 62 and started funding a life insurance policy. So for, you know, 10, 15 years, he had about $2,500 a month going into his life insurance policy. And when he did the math, he had so much more money left over for his family as a legacy than if he delayed Social Security, got a higher benefit and didn't get the life insurance policy. So the point I want to make with that story, Walter, is like there's exceptions to everything, but by and large, I would say that, um, you know, if you're going to continue to work, probably you don't want to take it at age 62. 67 seems to be the sweet spot for a lot of people because they're getting their full benefit. But if you can delay it to age 70, uh, which is currently the latest age you can delay it to, you're going to get 132% more in terms of a monthly benefit than you would have gotten at age 67. You touched on this a moment ago, Charles, so maybe we can expand on the conversation a little bit. It happens to be myth number six on our list, and that's that you can't work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. You pretty much just debunked that as part of your last uh, response, but can you expand a little bit more on that conversation with clients? Yeah, if your full retirement age is 67 and you're younger than 67 and you're getting Social Security, you've got to get some of that back if, you, you know, if your earned income is you know, around 20 grand or more. So, you know, obviously, for full retirement age, you can make whatever you want. So if you're 67, and I'm using that because there's some people that here in this podcast, maybe their normal retirement age is 66 and six months. 
some are 67, but I'm going to use 67. So if you're 67, your full retirement age, you can make whatever you want and still get your full Social Security benefit without giving any of it back. But what most people don't realize is that up to 85% of that Social Security benefit could be taxable. So if you're planning on working, you know, uh, well beyond your normal retirement age, uh, just be cognizant of the fact that you may be given uh, maybe two of those Social Security checks back to the government in the form of higher income taxes. Great expansion of that conversation. Thank you, Charles. All right, how about we move on to myth number seven, which uh, changes gears slightly here. Uh, Social Security benefits are only for U.S. citizens. You know, I know that there's uh, certain non-citizens that meet, if they meet the eligibility requirements, can get Social Security benefits. I have to you know, be candid with you. I'm not like uh, an expert in that particular area. I mean, I could do research, but by and large, I just know that, you know, non-U.S. citizens can receive Social Security benefits if they meet certain criteria of which, you know, I've yet to research. Okay, very good. So just a uh, little bit of an FYI, if you aren't directly a U.S. citizen, uh, check further into the rules and you may find that you actually still can qualify for Social Security. All right, myth number eight, if you have a pension, you won't be eligible for Social Security benefits. Do they, do they cancel out? No, I mean, there's government pensions and then there's regular pensions. So the people that have regular pensions that don't work for the government, they pay into the Social Security system and basically they're going to get their pension from their company and they'll get whatever Social Security benefit they're entitled to. But there's those that have worked for government agencies and uh, they're not in the traditional Social Security system. They've got, I, don't, I think they call tier one and tier two uh, railroad retirement benefits. It's just another name for Social Security. And, you know, they might be limited in what they can get, you know, because they have a totally different system. I see that on occasion. It's very confusing. But by and large, um, you know, most people that have a traditional pension will get their full Social Security benefit. If you do work for the government, there's certain rules that you must follow. Uh, and, you know, your Social Security benefit really is kind of tied into your pension. Okay, very interesting. And number nine here, Charles, Social Security benefits are based on your income and assets. Now, Social Security really is like based on, you know, maybe what you've earned, you know, your highest earnings over the last, say, well, they take 35 years of earnings and they pick out the highest 35 years. So if you work for 40, 50 years, they'll just cherry pick the top 35 years. And basically on that formula, they'll determine what your monthly benefit's going to be. So it's not means tested like Medicare is. Medicare, they look at your total taxable income or total income on your tax return and they determine like, hey, you know, if you're over a certain limit, you're fairly wealthy. We're going to increase your Medicare premiums. But that's not the what they do for Social Security. Social Security, what they'll do is it's not means tested, but obviously the greater your income, uh, the, the greater the percentage of your Social Security benefit could be taxed. And right now, the, it can be taxed as high as like 85% of your benefit. So if you got, you know, round numbers, 4000 a month, and 85% of that's taxable, you'll pay tax on 85% of $4,000 each and every month. Uh, but they're not means testing. It's really just based on your, your historical earnings, you know, the highest 35 years. All right, we're down to our final myth here, Charles, and that is that your Social Security benefits are based on your last job's salary 
And again, you, you kind of debunked that one for us in uh, some of these previous responses. Yeah, but I mean, I, I get cases where people say, hey, Charles, like, you know, I have my own business. So I'm going to hire my wife for the next five years, pay her 100 grand a year to increase the Social Security benefit. But when you think about it, you know, um, if you're looking at 35 years, you're kind of looking at less than 3% per year that goes into the formula. In a lot of instances, that does not work. So, um, you know, it's not your last job salary. It's your historical earnings over, you know, the highest 35 years that you worked. And then again, you know, in a case just like my spouse, who really didn't work once we got married. I mean, she worked her rear end off as a, a housewife and homemaker, but really made little or no income. Uh, basically, she can piggyback off of my benefit that I would have gotten at my normal retirement age, age 67. Great to hear uh, little illustrations like that throughout some of these examples, Charles. So I appreciate you sharing some of those personal anecdotes as well as stories from working with clients over the years. Well, there you have it. Ten myths about Social Security uh, debunked and dismantled and uh, discussed on today's show. If you've got further questions about how to select your Social Security and make your elections appropriately in the context of the rest of your financial and retirement plan, well, that's what Charles does on a daily basis with clients. You can get in touch with him and ask questions that you have and get a review of your financial situation by calling 610-388-7705, 610-388-7705, or online at cpweldygroup.com. We'll put the contact info in the description of today's show so you can find it easily. And make sure you tune in for the next episode of the show. Carl, uh, Charles, you've got something a little bit special planned for us. Uh, we recently hit the 100-episode milestone, and you thought it would be fun to, on our next episode, uh, we, we didn't actually do it for the 100th because it was right in the midst of tax season and things were kind of crazy, and you wanted to <laughs> be able to take a little bit more time uh, to tackle this, which I think is, is great. Uh, but you want to highlight three of your mentors who had a big impact on you as you became an advisor and a CPA and and uh, started working with people to plan for retirement. And, and you're going to highlight those mentors on our, our next show. And I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, you know, definitely, I want to give a shout out to Nick Murray up in New York, who's helped me tremendously, you know, his, uh, his books and his lectures and Jason Smith, I met him about 12 years ago. Uh, he created a concept called the bucket plan, which I use in my practice, like diligently, and lastly, a Dave Allison, you know, he's also affiliated with this mastermind group that Jason created. And he created uh, a process called the Tax Management Journey, which really is powerful because what it does, Walter, it integrates financial planning and tax planning, which is a real one-two punch that really can impact in a very positive way a lot of, you know, retirees. Looking forward to hearing more about those folks who have had such a big impact on you and also some of the concepts and plans that they've brought to the table as well that you've embraced and implemented throughout all your years of helping people. So that'll be on the next episode, folks. Come back and join us for that. Probably one of the uh, uh, more fun episodes that we've ever had here on the show. So looking forward to that insight and those stories. And uh, that'll be next for you right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Until then, for Charles Weldy, I'm Walter Storholt. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.